0: You're listening to The Venue Podcast. The Venue is a worship gathering at South Christ Baptist Church. We hope that this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Amen. That was good stuff, David. Thank, can we thank the band this morning for that? I like that. Um, got me going this morning. How's everybody doing? I feel like there's some energy in there. We may not have a lot of people in here. but are Y'all interject this morning? Yeah, I am. I'm excited. Uh, as David mentioned, I know they've been at a retreat, and he's back now. Uh, they got back like 1.30 last night, and they're here this morning, so I know they're tired. Uh, if I'm honest this morning, can we be honest? I think that the church, a lot of times, it's hard for us to, to really be honest because we feel like when we come to church... We have to look a certain way, act a certain way, uh, be a certain way. And as, as I've gotten older and have kids now, you know, it's like parents, you uh, get your kids dressed. It's like getting cats dressed in the morning sometimes. And you get here and you're stressed out, but then you walk in and you're like, oh, we look like everything's good. But if we're honest, and if I'm honest, um, I'm tired. And. Maybe even a little frustrated. I'm, I'm tired physically. I think we could all probably say that. But even spiritually, I'm tired. Uh, a little frustrated. There's, with COVID going on, and other things like that. Um, there's something big happening in a few weeks, like the election or something. Uh, it's just a lot going on right now. A lot of division, uh, even in the evangelical community. And as frustrating, as tired as that is, what what is kind of done for me in my personal life is it, it's, it's affected the way uh, I am as a pastor, um, I am as a, as a husband, as a father, uh, these important ministries that, that, that God has called me to, uh, and, I, and I've allowed um, the world, if you will, around me to be my measuring stick for my relationship with the Lord. And um, so with everything going on around me, the stress Um, it's affected the way I pastored because with COVID there's, we have to shut some things down now again. And uh, I feel like, am I doing a good enough job as a, as a student pastor to high school students? Uh, the, 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 uh, the time I've had with them now we, we may have to take a break from that, uh, as a husband, as a dad, as I mentioned, uh, and it's affected my relationship with the Lord because I feel like sometimes, Um, I, I know that God loves me when y'all, you know, that God loves you. Matter of fact, Romans five, eight says that God has demonstrated that love for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So he's proven his love for us in the cross. And if God never did anything else that was good, he's done enough. And so I know that God loves us. I I know that he loves me, but I wonder sometimes does he like me (laughs) or why is he using me? Right? Anybody ever feel that way? I mean, if we're if we're going to be honest, if we're 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 putting aside the 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 Christianese language this morning, I just want us to be honest this morning. Uh, Do you ever feel like if if God's mad at you, we're disappointed uh, because of 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 our sin and because of uh, the shame and the guilt that comes along with sin? Uh, I, I know at one point, God, if he had a refrigerator, my picture was probably on his refrigerator, but I wonder if he's taken it off or if he's replaced it with somebody else. I have all those thoughts, even as a pastor, as a husband, as a dad, as a believer, a follower of Christ, and sometimes I wonder why he still uses me. Um, so if we're honest about the way that we feel this morning, I think if we did a poll, I think everyone would probably feel tired spiritually, physically, uh, intellectually, I, th- I think we're all there, and so what can we do as believers, as followers of Christ, where can we turn if we can't turn to the world, which we shouldn't, right? Uh, and that's to God's word. I was talking with a, a friend the other day. He's a pastor in Ohio right now. He's a good friend of mine. We went to school together, and I know he's been going through a lot, so I was just checking in on him and, and his church and what's going on up there and his situation and I was just asking, hey, what's a good verse that you're just diving into right now in this time? And he shared a passage in Matthew 11. And um, I said, if there is one verse that that's a never-ending well for me as a pastor, uh, when I'm feeling the most guilt, the most shame, the most like a failure, like I don't add up. I said, dude, there's one verse which I think is the greatest verse for believers. And happens to be when I think is the greatest chapter in all the scriptures. And personally, what I think is the greatest letter or book in all the scriptures. And that's, as you see, Romans 8.1. This to me is the single greatest verse for believers as a believer. And so this morning, what I want to do is what, what we've kind of been doing on Sunday mornings with Brandon's preaching. He'll be back next week, Lord willing. Uh, we've been kind of going through the sermons here. It's called the book where... There, he's preaching out of every book of the Bible this year, and so it's, it's more of a looking at a book of the Bible through binoculars, just kind of picking out a passage, preaching through it, but this morning, I want to look at one verse, Romans 8.1, through a microscope, if you will. I want to really dig into this verse, and I want to get everything out of this verse that we can this morning. I'm excited. It, it reminds me of uh, my, my dad and my, my parents. They both still live back in Florida. My dad works in the construction Uh, industry, and so he has a ton of funny stories about the people that he works with, uh, the crew that works for him, things like that. And one particular guy on the crew's name is uh, Mr. Rob, and he is a a big fella. What I mean by that, he's like 6'4", like big dude, could could be playing offensive line for the Dallas Cowboys right now. Uh, He's just a big dude, and he always has some funny stories about Mr. Rob. One in particular is, they, every time they eat lunch, if they go, go eat lunch somewhere, and let's say that day they eat fried chicken. Anybody likes some fried chicken? Anybody? Okay. So he's, he, they'll eat fried chicken, and when they get back to the job site, the rest of the day, Mr. Rob will take that chicken bone, that chicken leg, if you will, and he'll just be chewing on it like a toothpick the rest of the day. And by the end of the workday, this bone, there's no fat, there's no meat, uh, he, he has gotten all the flavor out of this. I mean, it looks like literally if you took that bone and put it into a, a pool full of piranhas, like it's it's clean. OK, uh, and so that's just, that's what I want to do with this verse. I, I know it's kind of a, a silly illustration, but I want to look at this verse. I want to get all the meat all of the, the rich, glorious truths that this verse has for us as believers. Because, again, I feel like if you understand this verse like I understand this verse. It can be a never-ending well for you to go back to time and time again. When we feel the guilt and shame of sin, when we feel like we don't measure up, when we feel like, man, our tank is low, we can dive into this one verse. And when we understand all the glorious implications of this verse, it's going to help you in your walk with the Lord. And so that's the goal this morning. My goal is after going through this verse that you're going to be energized, that you're going to be uh, hopeful this morning, you're going to be ready To go back out into the craziness that is our world right now. And you're going to be ready to serve the Lord Jesus. So if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and turn. Hopefully you may already be there. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. If you need a Bible, there should be one in front of you uh, in that book. And so um, here's what I want to do this morning. We're going to really break this verse down. So let's read this verse together. There is therefore now no... Condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So the first thing, when looking at this verse, the most important, one of the most important words is this word right here. Therefore, so high school students, help me out here. What do we do when we see this word? What did you say? See we see what it is. Therefore, it's a cool little tip when you're reading through Scripture. When you come upon the word therefore, we must see what it's there for because if, if you just look at this verse and just read it real quick you'll miss the importance and the implications of what this word alone has so what Paul's talking about here in Romans 8 1 the therefore am I still on the can you hit the clear all on the I do like the clouds behind it though but there's like a clear all that, that'll clear the back, background I like the this doesn't bother me but it'll make it a black background it's no biggie Uh, Can we give the the, the text back there? Uh, There we go. Look at that. Give them a hand, y'all. They're awesome back there. Uh, Thanks for helping me set all this up, by the way. So we see what this therefore is therefore. So what Paul was referencing here in Romans 8 to get to this point, he's writing this letter. It's all really one long thought, if you will. And so we have to reference the first seven chapters of Romans 8. So I don't have time to really go through that. There's so much... In the book of Romans, especially the first seven chapters, we're going to give you kind of an overview, and it's going to help you really understand this verse. So um, here's what I want to do. I want to kind of do an overview of the first seven chapters. The first thing that you see is Paul gives his greetings, his introduction, as he normally does. This is Paul, an apostle called by God to bring you this message. And one of the most important messages I'm going to bring you is the gospel. And so he clearly lays out the gospel. Matter of fact, in Romans 1:16, which is a great verse to memorize, to underline, uh, Paul kind of gives you the theme, if you will, of the book of Romans. And that, this is the theme right here, that righteousness comes from God. And simply what I mean is this glorious truth is that God, he justifies the guilty, condemned sinners by grace alone, through faith alone in Christ alone. That righteousness is not from us, it is from God. Salvation and righteousness given to us through what Christ has done. And so when we believe that, we are justified. And so that's really the theme of Romans. And then he keeps going on. In chapters 1 really through uh, chapters 3, we see that he brings this word up, condemnation. We're going to talk about that. It's in our verse. We're going to talk about that in a second. But this is the need of God's righteousness. And so here's what Paul does. He gives you the bad news first. It's like, hey, I got some good news and bad news. What do you want to hear first? I'm just going to tell you the bad news. Everyone, mankind, not only the Jews or the Gentiles, everybody who has ever walked this earth, apart from Christ, is unrighteous. Everybody is has sinned against God. Romans 3.10, matter of fact, says that uh, there are none righteous, no, not one. So the bad news, Paul is telling you, hey, you're a, a dirty, wretched sinner, Good luck. I'm just kidding. He doesn't, he doesn't stop there. He doesn't stop the letter there, thankfully. But he's just telling us, hey, there's condemnation there, there for, for your sin and for my sin because of God's righteous judgment. And so he goes on uh, in, in, in the next few chapters and really the end of chapter 3 through the middle of chapter 5. He, he gives you the, the opposite of that. So we have condemnation because of our sin. And then this beautiful picture of the doctrine of justification which we're going to talk about that in a little bit too. And this is really the provision for God's, of God's righteousness. So the source of righteousness um, that doesn't come from the law, which he talks about, it comes from God through Christ. And then he gives an example of that in Abraham, how the Old Testament saints received this righteousness in the Old Testament. We're going to talk about that later too. Uh, the blessings of righteousness, we have a peace with God through faith. And then the imputation of righteousness, which simply means a righteousness that's not ours, that was given to us, by Jesus, it was imputed to us, if you will, and this is the free gift that's given to believers. And so He gives you the opposite of condemnation. Here's the bad news: you're a sinner. But the good news is the glory, glorious truth of the gospel is this: that God justifies the unrighteous and makes them righteous. Okay, so that's that's what He does in those chapters. And then we get into chapter six through really the end of chapter eight, and He He, he, he brings along not only. What condemnation is or justification, he brings along this process that we call sanctification, which is simply the spirit that is now in us, that God gives us, is sanctifying us. It is a process of making us as believers. From the moment we are saved, he is making us look more like his son, Jesus. And that is the process of sanctifying us, the process of sanctification. And it is a long process, okay? We're we're never going to arrive fully, perfectly glorified on this side of heaven. And so God is making us... Uh, look more like his son Jesus by taking some things out of our lives or he's putting some things into our lives. He, he's putting us in a church family to help us grow. Uh, he's given us, us his word. He's given us the spirit. Uh, these, these are all the work of the spirit in chapters five, six, or six, seven, and eight. So, as uh, a matter of fact, chapter eight is about living that life out in the spirit after we get done with this verse. And so, what I want to do this morning um, is, is really narrow that down a little bit more for you. So all that you just heard goes into this verse. Therefore, so because of all that news that you just heard, there's condemnation, but there's justification, and there's sanctification, and these are all gifts that, that God has given us. Uh, because of that, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So as I mentioned earlier, this is a long letter that Paul is writing. He didn't write like chapters after he didn't stop and write verses and stuff like that. That's just given to us to help us understand these concepts. So it's one long, continuous letter. And I really believe that Paul is finishing his thoughts that he had in Romans chapter seven. And if you want to look there, you can. We're going to be in Romans chapter um, seven through uh, Romans eight, two. So it's kind of the bookend of this verse. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to spend a few moments kind of breaking this down. And I'll, again, this is to help us really understand Romans eight, one. We're going to get all the meat that we can add of this verse because it's going to help you as, as it has helped me. So, the verse we're looking at this morning is this verse right here. Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. By the way, uh, what I'm doing now is actually a, a really cool resource by a, a guy named John Piper. He's, re, he's a retired pastor now. He runs Desiring God Uh, ministries, but he does this thing called look at the book where he goes through these passages and he really breaks these down and underlines and goes through these. And it is an incredible resource. If you ever want to go check it out, you can go on Desiring God or YouTube. He's not paying me to say this. I'm I'm just a beneficiary of (laughs) of what he's done. So, but John, if you want to give me a little kickback, I'll give you my address. Okay. Uh, But so this is our verse here. So this word, therefore. Is, is referring to verses seven twenty two through 8, 2. He's kind of finishing that thought. Um, he's starting this thought uh, of what he's dealing with, and he's finishing it in verse 2. And what we see in verse 2 is this interesting word here, this law of sin. And what we see this in verse 2 is we see this back in chapter 7. Law of sin. Another law, law of sin. So we see this word, and it's interesting what Paul is referencing here, because there is a battle going on inside of Paul, a battle that is waging war between the law of sin, which we just read about, and the law of God. So we see, he says, I delight in the law of God in my inner being, But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind. This is the law of God that's in his mind. And it's making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Well, he answers that. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. So you see how all this is connected here. So what's going on? What what is Paul really talking about? What is he he doing? As I mentioned, um, there's this this war going on between the law of sin in in his flesh and the law of God. So to kind of break this down, at the moment we become believers, at the moment we... We, we repent of our sins, we place our faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus on the cross and God saves us, okay? Uh, he gives us his spirit. And so Paul says, in, in my deepest, most inner being, I delight in the law of God. I wanna follow God's law. But in my flesh, still, because we're not fully glorified yet, there's a battle that's waging war with sin, all right? There's, 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 there's this battle that's taking place inside of Paul um, and look where it's taking its effect here. He, he's saying that there's this battle going on. Look where uh, in his inner being the, the law of God, but the law of sin is taking place right here in his members. It says it's waging war against the law of mine and it's taking captive that dwells in my members. He says, "Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord." So then I myself serve the law of God my, my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. So these members he's referring to is, is simply his, his hands, his, his ears, his his eyes, his his feet. He's saying, in, in my deepest inner being, I want to serve God and do what is right. I want to delight in his word, but because there's still sin, there's, there's still the, the flesh side of things, I can't help it because it's affecting my members. And this is Paul, the apostle Paul, who wrote close to half of the New Testament, who's Arguably the the world's greatest missionary uh, who is close with the Lord, who was called out, called by the Lord, commissioned to be an apostle, set apart. Paul is dealing with this and waging war. So think about if Paul's dealing with, I know that you and I are dealing with this, right? Anybody ever been there? I I know what I should do, but I don't do it all the time. Matter of fact, the beginning of Romans 7 is what he's fighting that. He says, I know what I ought to do, but I don't do it. And I know what I shouldn't do, and I do it. And so Paul is waging this war. So what does verse 2 mean then? So it says, for the law of the spirit of life, he has set, set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. So what does that mean as we look at this word set free? He's referencing this verse right here. Verse 25. So he says, wretched man that I, that I am. He's, he's, he's Again, there's turmoil. He's, he's feeling guilt and shame from his sin because he can't help to keep sinning. He doesn't want to sin against God, but he can't help it. And he says this. What does it mean to be set free in Christ Jesus? He says, who will deliver me from this body? He says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's how we are set free So in spite of this warfare that's going on between the law of sin and the law of God, there's already been great victory that's been given to us by God through Christ. So Paul can ultimately serve the law of God. He can delight in God's law. And this is really a, a gift of God to us and is giving evidence here that Paul is in Christ Jesus. He's not in the flesh. And because of that, and in Christ, he understands there is now no condemnation because of that victory that's been given to us through Christ. So the beautiful thing about chapter 6 is, and we're not going to look at it real quick, but, but what's going on here, he's understanding um, chapter 6 talks about how we can battle our sin because of victory that's already been uh, brought to us over sin through Christ. We can battle sin. We don't have to just give in to sin and temptation. We're not going to be perfect, but we, we should be battling this sin. John Owen, who is a, uh, was was a Puritan, Uh, He has a book called The Mortification of Sin in that book. One of his famous lines, he says, be killing sin or it will be killing you. So we take a proactive stance because of what Christ has done in us. And they have the Holy Spirit. We can take a proactive stance against sin and we don't have to fall to sin. But again, there's still that guilt. There's still that turmoil that sin brings. And so what's it mean to really be set free from this law? I'm going to give us three really quick things real quick. Okay. Okay. What's that mean to be set free? One, Paul's saying that it is, has been decisively, we've been decisively set free as believers through what Christ has done on the cross. The decisive battle against this war that's taken place in us has been robbed in the cross. Amen? Like We don't have to give in to that sin. It's already been won. It's been decided already. This, this battle against this war of sin has been decided for us already in the cross. Not only has it been decisively decided, we've been set free from that. It's been finally decided. And uh, we've been finally set free. It's going to happen. It's it's really the emphasis that Paul is making here. Um, And you can read that in, in, I'm going to read real quick in Romans 8.30. Let me get there. Uh, It says this. Romans 8.30 says, and those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, the believers who he's called, he also justified. We're going to talk about that in a second. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. And Paul is using the past tense here in the Greek, saying that though we're not glorified yet, I am so sure that what God has started in you, he is going to finish. I am so sure of it that we will be glorified one day. You, you, you can mark it down. And so this battle that's in us, We're not free from the guilt and the shame and the consequences of sin yet, but we don't have to give into that because we know that the battle has been decisively won. We've been set free from it and it's been finally, it's going to happen. So the third thing I want to, I want to make a little note of that is though these things are true, Paul is also making the emphasis, but not now fully. We haven't fully been glorified yet, but it's coming, right? So that word not now is actually going to lead us into this next word. All right, so that was just the therefore. Everybody good? Yes, okay. I'm telling you, we're going we're to break this verse down. So that's all the therefore. Why is that therefore? We just heard all that. I, I don't have time to repeat it, okay? The next word I want us to see is this word now, okay? Again, if you just read this, you would just be like, okay, there's therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Paul could have said, there is therefore um, no condemnation, but he did it. He put a now in there. So what does that now mean for us? And it's very important. It's actually really cool. So in, 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 the Greek, uh, Paul is using this word now to mean two different things, two different nows, if you will. All right. And those two things are finally now and already now. So if, if we're going to really understand what this word now means, we have to see the no condemnation is a gift. Okay. Think of it like this. Have you ever seen those videos of uh, people, they, they get this huge present, and then they open up that box, and inside of that box there's a smaller box. They open up that box, inside of that box there's a smaller box, and it keeps going down to it's like one little thing. And usually it's like a guy doing this at the end or something like that. Um, so picture this. Salvation is the greatest gift. Salvation in Christ is our treasure. He's the greatest gift that was given to man. and, And the salvation that's provided is the big gift. And in that salvation, in that big gift, there are other benefits for believers. There are other gifts that we have been given because of salvation. We've been given the Holy Spirit. We've been given justification. We've been given sanctification. We've been sure that we're going to be glorified one day. One of the other gifts is no condemnation. That is a gift that we enjoy right now as believers because of salvation. So look at it this way, the, the finally now, um, it means this, it, it's a way of viewing this word now would mean that now I can finally receive what I was promised. So my oldest daughter is Everly, she is five years old. Um, her birthday is April 29th, okay? Uh, but if I went up to my daughter today and I said, Everly, my sweet little angel, she is an angel, I said, hey, guess what? I got you the best gift you could ever imagine for your birthday, but you can't open it until your birthday. Okay. She would just smile and laugh, but here's what she would do. Every single day from here until April 29th, she would ask me, is it my birthday? Right? She'd be like, is it my birthday? Can I, can I receive my gift now? That gift that you're talking about? Can I, can I get it now? And that's what, and that's what Paul's uh, talking about here. He's talking about, he's really referring to the past. And the Old Testament saints, you see the law that we see in the Old Testament that Paul's talking about through Romans, it was never meant to save us. The law was given to us not to save us. The law always brought condemnation because no one could keep the law perfect. The law was never meant to save us. No one could keep the law perfect. That's why Paul says in Romans 8, 3 that we needed a sinless savior, a sinless Christ who was going to fulfill the law, Who's going to keep the law perfect. The law was always meant to point the Old Testament saints to a coming Messiah who was going to be their savior one day. So if you've ever wondered how Old Testament saints were saved, it wasn't through the law, it was through Christ. They were looking for a Messiah who was going to come. As a matter of fact, Paul says this in Romans 4, and he also mentions Abraham. It was counted to him righteousness because of his belief in the coming Messiah. So, to them, Paul is saying, finally, now, this gift that we've been talking about through Jesus that you've heard about, that the law spoke about, is now no condemnation. It's finally here. It has been done. There's, the law finally brings no condemnation. That's what we get to enjoy now as believers. The other now, already now, is this other picture. So uh, my, my daughter, Everly, who I'll just mention, She's five, and it feels like in, in a few years she'll be in college, right? And let's say she's in college, she's, go, she's doing good, but I noticed she's been eating ramen noodles every day for a month, okay? I'm not hating on ramen. I love ramen noodles, by the way. But I know she's probably struggling, right? She's eating ramen noodles for a month. And so I go to her, and I say, hey, baby girl, um, my angel, and I say, I, I know I see you've been eating ramen and stuff, and look, here, I'm, I'm going to write you a $500 check, I know one day you're going to get my full inheritance. Hopefully it's more than this. But one day you're going to receive my full inheritance. But right now I see your need is great. And I want to give you just a taste, a bit of that full inheritance. So I'm going to give you $500. Okay. This is what that already now really, paint, really looks like. That's, that's, the, that's the picture that we see. Uh, Paul's looking forward in, in, in the future when he mentions this in Romans 8:33 and 34, that one day we're all going to stand before God and be judged for what we've done here in this life. But between that and the judgment day is going to come. Scripture says that Satan, the enemy, he is accusing us before the Lord day and night. Richard's a failure. Look at him. You know what he did today? You know what he thought today? Do you know what he said today? Do you know what he, he looked at today? Do you know what kind of terrible husband he was today? You know what kind of terrible pastor or father he was today? He's accusing us day and night. And we're feeling that guilt and that shame here and now. But God says, uh, you can read with me, in Romans 8, uh, verse 33, says this. He said, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Who shall bring a charge against my people? Is what God says. Is it God who justifies? So if God is the one, the, the judge, who justifies us at salvation, then who is there to condemn? Because Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that, who was raised, who was at the right hand of the God. And not only that, he's sitting at the right hand as the the, the enemy is accusing us. Day and night it says this, Jesus is interceding for us. So as Satan is sitting there saying, he's worth nothing. Jesus is saying, he's worth everything because I've purchased that. And my righteousness was given to him. And he's saying there's no condemnation for that. So we understand it's finally here. But it's also a taste of our full inheritance one day and if you're a believer you don't have to uh you don't really have to wait until that final inheritance to see what your portion of that is we get a taste of it we get a glimpse of it now amen it's good that there's no condemnation it's already been settled in the cross and what jesus done and now right here in the now in the past present and the future we receive the benefits of no condemnation So that's awesome. That's good news. I love it. So really quickly, I'm going to wrap up here. That's just the first two words. (laughs) Uh, I promise you we could spend a whole lot of time on this. So we looked at therefore, we looked at now. Now let's look at this word condemnation. So uh, really what this word means, the word con means with. The word damnation means damnation. So condemnation means with damnation. So it's a judicial term that Paul uses in the Greek uh, that refers to a verdict of guilty and the penalty that that verdict demands. It is the opposite, as I mentioned earlier, of justification. You have condemnation and justification. So this word justification, when we're saved, as I mentioned earlier, God justified is where we stand. So that word justified, you can look at it this way. Just if I'd never sinned, okay? So imagine yourself in a courtroom before the judge, before God who is holy, who is righteous, who has wrath for his unrighteous, uh, sinful, sinful people that we deserve. We stand before him and condemnation would say, yeah, you're guilty. Yeah, you've sinned. You are guilty. And the penalty for that sin, as Romans 6 says, the wages of sin is death. So it's a physical and spiritual death, separation from God for eternity. And you're guilty of it. And so this word condemnation condemns always, but the opposite of that is justification. And so even though we deserve death and sin and hell and separation from God for eternity, we don't get what we deserve because of Christ, amen? That's what justification means. That's we're we're justified. And so this word condemnation, he's saying there is now no condemnation. So we don't have to waller in our sin and our shame and our guilt we know that before God the only one who can really judge us and we are justified before him because of what Christ has done so there's no condemnation and then of course we're going to end here, who's it for? those who are in Christ Jesus those of us who have given their life to the Lord that have been saved by grace through faith, repented of their sin they've, they've, they've believed on the gospel this is a gift that we have received. So I'm going to end here. I'm going to ask the band to come up. I'm going to give us two applications, two truths really to take home with us because of this verse. Um, Is the band in here? Mo, you can come up here and play something. Um, Really two truths that I want us to see. Because there's no no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, this this is our response, if you will, The first application is this, for believers, because there's now no condemnation, we don't, we don't have to, to feel the guilt and the shame of our sin, because as God looks at us, he doesn't see our sin, he sees Jesus and his righteousness, and there's no condemnation, there's no guiltiness for us. Because of that, we are set free to follow God and to serve him. You don't have to hang your head in sin and shame and carry all this baggage around it's like the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 12, says, lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and run the race with endurance that is set before you and keep your eyes on Jesus, the founder, the perfecter of our faith so we can lay aside all this guilt, the shame that we don't measure up, that we think God may be mad at us or he can't use us. We can lay all that aside. God, God says, look, I've already justified you and there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for those who have believed on the gospel. So we can run in freedom and we can freely give Christ control of our life. As as I mentioned, if you wanna read the rest of the chapter, the whole Romans eight is about what the spirit does for us and how to live a life in the spirit is an incredible chapter. We've been given God's spirit and we know where the spirit of the Lord is, there's what freedom. And we, when we understand this truth, we know that this truth will set us free. And so this is a freeing, glorious, magnificent, splendid truth for us as believers. This is a gift that God is he doesn't just love us, he likes us. He uses us in spite of our weaknesses, in spite of our shortcomings, in spite of our failures. A matter of fact, if you read through the scriptures, everyone that God uses, apart from Christ, are people who have failed big time. What a glorious truth that is for us. That right now, in this moment, (laughs) regardless of my sin and what I've done because of Christ and his righteousness that was given to me, I can stand before God understanding that there is no condemnation for me. And if you're a believer, that's that's a truth for you too. So when you feel like a failure, when you feel frustrated, when you feel spiritually tired, may this be a verse that you dive back into, that that you go back to. This unending well, memorize it, hide it in your heart. So when these feelings come, when you feel accused by the enemy, you can say, uh-uh, there's no condemnation because of what Christ has done for me. Second point, it's for unbelievers. And the good news is is that you can get in on this too. This, This gift of no condemnation, this gift of salvation is for everybody. As Paul mentioned earlier in, in, in Romans 3, we're talking about, he gives you the bad news. And the bad news is this, is that we've all sinned. Romans 3.23 says we've all fallen short of God's standard of perfection, God's righteousness. Everyone has fallen short. Me, Pastor David, Mother Teresa, anyone you can think of. The best person you can think of is all fallen short of God's glory. And so because of that, as I mentioned in Romans 6.23, the wage, the payment for that sin is death. But to finish that verse, it says, But the free gift that God has offered you is eternal life through Christ Jesus. So we're sinners, and we need a Savior in Christ Jesus. And, and, and this is the gospel, Romans ten nine. If you want to read it with me, you can. It says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, as a promise here. It says, You will be saved. As I mentioned, anyone can get on this, Romans 10 13. If you don't believe me, it says it right here. He says, For everyone, what does everyone mean? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord as a promise will be saved. So it doesn't matter what you've done, it doesn't matter who you are, this forgiveness and grace has been provided to you in Christ Jesus. And he has done everything necessary to give us a relationship with the Father, to reconcile us to the Father. I love what Charles Spurgeon says about this. What Christ did on the cross, listen to this. Charles Spurgeon said, the whole of the punishment of his people, the sin, was distilled into one cup and no mortal lip might give it so much as a solitary sip. And when he put it to his own lips, it was so bitter. He said, let this cup pass from me. But his love for his people was so strong that he took the cup in both hands and that one tremendous draught of love, he drank damnation dry. For me, for you, and that is the glorious, splendid truth of the gospel. It's that I deserve condemnation, but because of Christ, his righteousness, I don't have to stand and wonder if he loves me. I know that he loves me. So if I could give you this picture, imagine this is a book of every sin that you've ever committed. It's a lot. So before Christ, when, when God looked at me, he saw my sin that I was guilty of. He saw my unrighteousness and I was condemned where I stood, but he didn't just leave us there. He left heaven. Matter of fact, Philippians 2 says, he didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he left heaven taking the form of a servant and went to the cross for me and for you. And so when he saw my sin and my shame, he sent Jesus to die on the cross. And when I finally realized that I was a sinner in need of a savior as a senior in high school, I gave it all to God and to Christ and Christ took upon him my sin. On the cross so now when God looks at me he doesn't see my sin because Christ took that and this word imputed he gave me his righteousness or righteousness not of my own so when I gave him my sin he gave me his righteousness so now when God looks at me he doesn't see my sin he sees the righteousness of Jesus not my righteousness because I don't have righteousness I sin I still battle like Paul said But he gave it to Christ and so I stand before God now justified and the beauty of the gospel is you can do that here this morning. So I don't know where you're at spiritually. I don't know if you've ever had a moment in your life where you've given your life to, Lord, to the Lord. You, you've repented of your sins. You've placed your faith and trust in the gospel. But I want to tell you the good news is that you can do that right here and right now. I'm going to be uh, standing right here in the back. I know our other pastor, Jack, is going to be standing back there. You don't have to wait to get in on this gift of no condemnation. It's already been provided in Christ Jesus. So we're going to sing a song. We're going to respond now for the believers. Maybe you want to pray right right where you're at. You want to come down to the altar, the altar where things come and die. So maybe you have some guilt, some shame, some baggage that you need to leave behind this morning because there is this glorious truth that there is now no condemnation for you because of Christ Jesus. For the unbelievers, maybe you're wrestling with... uh, with your salvation maybe you have questions about scripture or what it means to be a believer uh, i would love to talk with you about that and walk you through what scripture says how you can become a child of god so i'm gonna pray for us and then we're gonna stand we're gonna sing a, a song of response let's pray god we thank you for your word god we're so thankful that um you've given us this glorious truth that there's no condemnation for us all the glorious implications that it has for us now. So I pray you would help us live free in that, that, that we would come back to that verse when we're feeling like failures, when we feel like we don't measure up. You would remind us of that glorious truth. God, I don't pray for those here this morning who may not know you, who are kind of wrestling with their salvation. I pray that you would convict them of their sin right now and God, it's only you can do, that you would draw them unto yourself this morning, that you would be glorified. So as we stand and sing, God, help us respond how you're calling us to respond. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you are encouraged by today's message, subscribe and rate us wherever you stream your podcasts. To learn more about the venue at Southcrest, visit us online at southcrest.org or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Southcrest Baptist Church.